0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Lord, we do ask now that you would help us to put aside the things that clamor for our attention other than you speaking to us by your Holy Spirit through your Word. Uh, Some of us have... Tremendous problems that are shaking us. Some of us are grieving. Some of us are just are tired. We worked all night. Uh, but Lord, help us uh, to focus on you and hear you that we may respond to you in faith and eager, loving obedience. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we have a problem. Uh, Those of you who are followers of Christ, you're already Christians. Uh, I'm going to be speaking primarily to you. Those of you who are not yet Christians and you're checking things out, again, this will give you the opportunity to kind of pull back the curtains and look into uh, the Christian life should you place your faith in Christ and uh, see some of the hope and help that he gives us with temptation. Uh, We have a problem. We are aware... Uh, as Christians that our flesh defined last week by our own personal tendencies toward sin that's in our own bodies, in not external, it comes from us. It's the, this tendency toward sin and disobedience. Um, the passions and desires that surface that are against the things of God, against the things of the Spirit of God, our temptations to disobey God we're aware of this conflict, aren't we? And some of you may be confused by it. Some of you may have thought, well, I shouldn't have this now that I'm a Christian. Others of you are, are fully aware of it and a little further down the road and know we're going to face these struggles. But we're aware of it. We're aware of it. We have these, uh, and, and it produces a conflict within us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that the flesh, and again, there it's not describing meat and bones, it's not describing humanity, it's describing our own tendency towards sin as believers. Uh, Galatians 5.17 tells us that the flesh is, um, is in conflict with the Spirit of God within us. Those of you who are followers of Jesus know that the Bible also teaches that when we place our faith in Christ, He... He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us His Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in us by His Holy Spirit. Well, the flesh conflict is in a conflict with the Spirit of God, and this passage tells us, so that we don't always do what we want to do. It causes conflict. And we're aware of this problem, but we have another problem. Many of us just don't know what to do about it. We don't know how to live with this. We don't know... Uh, how to How to handle how to face this, uh, and so we tend to live overly burdened lives, unnecessarily burdened lives as children of god uh, we, um, we, we find ourselves continually plagued by sinful bad habits that disappoint God and harm us, and so that's us, and we're going to deal with that today. We're not going to answer all the questions about this because we could go for a year on this subject, but we're going to jump in on a big one. I've got good news for you, and here's here's the good news. You can resist temptations to sin by living in the Holy Spirit. You can resist temptations to sin by living in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16, take a look at it, says... The Apostle Paul, inspired by God's Spirit, is writing to the Christians in the churches in the region of Galatia, all new believers, all new churches, and here's what he says. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Hey, notice something about this. Notice that this verse does not say some things. It does not say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not have desires of the flesh doesn't say that does it no 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 it does not say walk by the Spirit and you will not be tempted to sin it does not say that it says if you walk by the Spirit you will not gratify the desires of the flesh you will not act on the desires of the flesh you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh Uh, you will not carry out the temptations to to sin if you're a Christian you will never be free from temptation as long as you live on this earth. Happy Sunday. <laughs> You'll not, you will not be. If you have that expectation, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be defeated. You will think some things about yourself that are not true. Like, oh no, I must not be a Christian or I must not be walking with God or why am I tempted by these uh, things? Why does this old stuff keep knocking on the door and... Uh, getting my attention and, and, and why is it so strong at times you will think wrongly about yourself. If you do not understand that the scriptures say you will be tempted and you're going to have it as long as you are on this earth, you will always be tempted to disobey God. And it sometimes will feel like passionate desire uh, for it, to, to pull you away. Now, because you are in Christ Again, I'm just talking to you that are Christians. Because you are in Christ and the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, you are free from the power of sin over your life. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And you may not know that, but you need to know that. You are freed from the power of sin. If you are not in Christ, you are not free from the power of sin. You are a slave to sin, the Bible says. You are are still under sin's power. Reign and rule uh, under the dominion. You live in the realm of sin. And, kin- and the sin is king and all-powerful uh, in, in that, that realm. You're enslaved. And, uh, but if you are in Christ, that power has been broken. The penalty has been paid. You're set free from the penalty of sin. Uh, and you are set free from the power of sin. But you are not set free from the presence of of sin, And you're not set free from temptation to sin as long as you are in this life. Now, the Bible tells us that temptation comes uh, from three sources. Here's the way it says it in the Bible. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, by the world, the Bible does not mean there the created order, the beauty of creation. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. It means our godless society. It means the the culture 's thought and value system that is anti God and it is pervasive and it is seductive and it is uh, 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 subversive and it is incredibly powerful. It can sweep us away before we before we know it. Uh, it comes from the world it comes from our flesh that 's what we 're talking about primarily today uh, the, the, our own bodily tendencies toward sin, our own personalities, tendencies toward sin. We tempt ourselves. Sometimes it comes from the devil, and that's who you think it is. And uh, it comes from him. Now, he is an accuser. One of the things that the Bible says about the evil one, about Satan, about the devil, is that he is an accuser of children of God. And here's the way He accuses you when temptation comes. When you are tempted to sin, when you are faced with temptation, He accuses you of sinning. Not of being tempted to sin, but He accuses you of sinning. And He he accuses you and you begin to feel like you begin to equate temptation with sin. And you think, oh no, if I was really walking with God, I I wouldn't be tempted. No, that's not true. That's not true. I must be terrible. I must, maybe I'm not a Christian because I'm still. Temp- I'm tempted from time to time to be jealous or envious or angry or hostile or lustful or gluttonous or whatever it may be. I'm, I'm, if I was a Christian, then I wouldn't have those temptations. That's not true. That's the evil one talking and accusing you of sinning. It is not a sin to be tempted. Right? Say it with me. It is not a sin to be tempted. Say this, sin is sin. sin. Temptation is temptation. They are not the same thing. They're not one leads to the other, can lead to the other, but they are not the same thing at all. You see, the Lord Jesus was tempted, but He never sinned. He never sinned. Uh, the, he was tempted in every single way that a human being can be tempted to sin. You think of all of the horrible and gross and terrible immorality and sin that human beings have acted on and inflicted upon one another down through history. The scriptures say Jesus was tempted to act that way by every one of those things. Not my Lord. No, no, no. Yes, he was. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this. We do not have a high priest speaking of Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested or tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So it's not a sin to be tempted, but temptation will come. It would be not, You will never be free from temptation, but here's the good news. You can win over it. You don't have to sin. Because you are in Christ, when you were saved you were made by God, by His Holy Spirit, by His grace, you were made able to not sin. Prior to that, in your sins, you unbelievers, you are not able to not sin habitually. But now in Christ, you have been made able to not sin. That's kind of the phrase that the theologians use. And that's good news. You'll not be free from temptation, but you can win over it. You can resist temptations. How? By walking in the Spirit. Now, let me just say, we we could go... the, The flip side is how do you go about resisting temptations? It is our responsibility... To resist the devil, to resist temptation, to crucify the flesh with its desires and passions. Uh, Robert, it's just unavoidable to get around that. You read Romans and Galatians. He, said, he keeps talking about Jesus takes care of a bunch of it, but then he says, you resist. You crucify the flesh. You'd, we, it's our responsibility to do that. Now, there, there's some really practical spiritual ways the Bible teaches. You don't have time to go about that, but if you'd like some light reading on the subject, read John Owen's little book, The Mortification of Sin. Just a little light reading. You can probably read it while you're watching the ball game. That's a joke. That's <laughs> hard to read. But it's the best thing ever been written on it, written in the 1600s. John Owens, The Mortification of Sin. And you're going to have to crawl through it because he speaks in Elizabethan, Shakespearean language. And I can't even understand, you know, real American. I'm from the South and I'm still working on today's English. But But I'm telling you, grab that book, crawl through it this summer. Little bitty thing, about 84 pages long. Incredible help in how we go about resisting sin. So... Another story for another time. How do we walk in the Spirit? That's what I want to deal with today. Let me explain what I mean by walking in the Spirit. It starts by being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, uh, God commands us. He says, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled with the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. Now in this passage, the Spirit, capital S in your Bible, refers to God the Holy Spirit refers to uh, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. Uh, The Old King James uh, Translation 1611 Authorized Version says the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. It's referring to God the Spirit. Now remember that the God of the Bible is one God who manifests Himself three different ways, in three different forms, three different persons, again is the way the theologians say it, God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, God come in the flesh, and God the Holy Spirit. They're not three separate entities, three separate beings. One God shows himself in three ways. Pastor, how does how's he do that? I don't know. It's just very clear that that's what he does. And so we're speaking of God the Holy Spirit here. Uh, in this passage, we're to be filled by God the Holy Spirit. Now that word filled uh, could be translated controlled by, empowered by, permeated with, possessed by. And so to be filled with the Spirit means to be possessed by, to be permeated with, to be controlled by, to be empowered by and guided by God, the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're to do, to walk in the Spirit, which will enable us to not gratify the desires of the flesh or not fulfill or not act on our temptations, enable us to resist temptation, uh, to walk in the Spirit means that we stay habitually in that condition. To walk means, in the Bible here, he's not speaking of physically taking steps forward. He's describing lifestyle. Sometimes the word walk means your lifestyle. And that live by the Spirit could be sin. live habitually in the condition of being under the control and direction of God, the Holy Spirit. So you live habitually, you make it your lifestyle to get really, really close to Christ and abide in Christ, abide in the Holy Spirit and stay right there, stay right close to Him. You make that your everyday lifestyle and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's the first and most important thing uh, to do is get close to Him. So how do you do that? Well, let me give you about five or six or seven be-sures. Here's the first one. Be sure that you are a Christian. Be sure that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. For only followers of Jesus have the presence of God the Holy Spirit in their lives. It's one of the one of the one of the indicators of being uh, in Christ is we have the Holy Spirit, and you can do so by praying to receive Christ. First John chapter one verse twelve says, "But to all who did receive Him, speaking of Jesus, He gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe on His name." So be sure you're a follower of Jesus. Number two, be sure you actually want the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit. Be sure that you want to be filled. For in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, the Bible says, Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. God will not violate your will. He will not make you do this. Uh, we must desire it, the, the empowering, the, the presence, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be sure you're Christian. Uh, be sure that you want God's control and power in your life. And here's a third be sure. Be sure to confess all known sin to Christ habitually. Make this your lifestyle. Earlier in this service, Pastor Chad Crouch led us in a brief time of confession of sin. And he took us to uh, one of the key passages of Scripture, the little book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse Verse 9, and it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me take you to Isaiah 59 nine two, which is the next passage. But your iniquities built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made Him hide His face from you so that He does not listen. Our problem, the problem that short-circuits our fellowship with God is our Sins acting on our temptations after we 're Christians, and we do that from time to time we are We are saints, we belong to God, but we 're saints who sometimes sin we 're still in this struggle. Well, what do we do with those after we 're a child of God? because uh, just when when you 're in christ you 're in a relationship with him. Remember this whole point of the Christian life is to know, love, and enjoy. Jesus, and just like any relationship, uh, let's say in your marriage, if if you intentionally do something against the wishes of your spouse, how pleasant is dinner? Okay, got it, got it. You know, well, when we intentionally do something that displeases our Lord, it it it, it messes up. He does not leave our life, but we leave His power and fellowship. And so the cure is that we acknowledge it. We confess our sins. We agree with God that it is sin. We acknowledge it. Uh, There's an attitude of repentance. We tell it to Him. And then in faith, we thank Him for His cleansing and His forgiveness. Now, I've told this story before, but this is my voice on the subject. In 1972, I attended a Uh, a conference in the June of that year for college Christian college students training in how to walk with Christ. And uh, I had lost the joy and, and, and sense of direction in my relationship with God. I was kind of going through the motions and on Tuesday morning of that week, uh, a campus minister stood up and he began to teach what I'm teaching you this morning from here. And the lights came on and I realized, well, that's my problem. I, I've never dealt with my disobedience to Christ since I've become his child. And so he gave us instructions to get our Bibles and a a notebook and spread out all over the campus where we were in this conference and um, take 1 John 1, 9 and ask God to show me. I prayed Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any sinful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. And then as he began to bring to mind sins, I just began to write them out. And he got really specific. You know, it was not a, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. That's that's an okay prayer to pray. But he tends to get really specific about times and places and people and actions and attitudes or that kind of thing. Took a long time. And then I just begin to confess them to God. And in faith, thank him for His cleansing and His forgiveness. Claim it by faith. So if you want to walk in the Spirit, you want to be a lifestyle, be sure you're a Christian, be sure you want it, be sure to confess all known sins to God. And here's a fourth be sure. Be sure to ask in faith for the Holy Spirit to empower you. So how how will I know that He will do that? Well, you know so because it's His will. I mean, back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, He commanded us. He said, it's my will that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we pray things that are God's will, He answers the prayer. Uh, he says it right here in 1 John five fourteen and 15. Now, this is the confidence we have before Him. Whenever we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked Him for. By faith, thank Him for the fullness and the control and the cleansing of God the Holy Spirit. And you can you can do this by praying. Now, this is a prayer that I pray frequently. Frequently. And... Uh, let me just say it out loud, and maybe this will give you some language to use in your prayers. I'll pray, Dear Father, I need you. I admit that I've been directing my own life, and that as a result, I have sinned against you. I thank you that you have forgiven my sins through Christ's death on the cross for me. And I now invite Christ to again take his place in control of my life Fill me with the Holy Spirit as you commanded me to be filled and as you promised in your word that you would do if I ask in faith. I pray this in the name of Jesus and as an expression of my faith, I now thank you for directing my life and for filling me with the Holy Spirit. And then I just go ahead and act like he's done it. You know, that's what faith is. Faith is acting like the Bible is really true. That's it. If you want a real simple definition, faith is living as if the Bible were really true. Because it is. Whether I no matter how I feel at that point, cleanse and forgive, thanks, Lord, as an act of faith. And I just go ahead and act like He has cleansed me and forgiven me and that He's in control and empowered my life. You can do that. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, walk in the Holy Spirit by acting in this way. Now, um, if you don't live this lifestyle, if you don't live this way as a lifestyle, you will not grow closer and closer to Christ relationally. You will not begin to look more and more like Him. You will begin to look more and more like people who don't know Him. Uh, the, the, the acts of the flesh that, uh, will begin to become more and more prominent in your life. Like we looked at last week in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, Debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, all those kinds of things if we don't live this way there there's no neutral ground we we're, we're going to go one way or the other and begin to look like this, and so you might say, well, pastor, then Will I, once I take care of this, will I never sin again? Is that what you're saying? That once I've been filled with the Spirit, I'm always filled with the Spirit? No, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, the Bible says there is one baptism of the Holy Spirit. That happens when we are saved. That happens when we pray to receive Christ. The Bible says that the Spirit of God baptizes us, immerses us into Christ, into the body of Christ. And we receive God's uh, presence, God's gift of the Holy Spirit at that, that point. There's one baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are many fillings. In fact, it is a if we go to Ephesians five eighteen, the verb tense really sounds like this: be, all, be, being, always, continually filled with the Holy Spirit, over and over and over again. Now, that's that's kind of the loose Keith Moore translation, but that's the that's the emphasis. It's it's a continuous thing. It's why I use the phrase often with you: moment by moment, day by day, an intentional. Walking in the Spirit, yielding to Him, confessing sin as it comes, and, um, and it will still come. We're still in the process of being transformed into the image of Jesus. We are under construction. You should, we might should all wear big, you know, eat it, Joe's sandwich signs that hang over us. It says, on the front side, it says, please be patient with me. And on the back side, it says, cause God's not finished with me yet. We're, we're, we're not perfect yet, and we won't be until we step out of this life into the next. You will not become sinless in this life, but if you walk in the Spirit, you should sin less is the way it works, is the way it works. Um, Galatians five sixteen. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You can resist temptations by walking in the Spirit. Here's another be sure be sure to keep short accounts with God. This is how you continue this as a lifestyle. Um, when I was in college, my my buddy and I, uh, roommate and I, didn't wash a single dish, a single spoon, a single plate, pot, the whole first entire week of college. And on Saturday morning, we got up to go fix something to eat for breakfast, and there were no plates, no spoons, no forks, no knives, no no cookware, and it was kind of turned and looked over at the sink, and there was this, you know, this mountain of filth, stuff was living in there, kind of talking at us, and so we uh, took a deep breath and started cleaning up the place. It took a long, long time. After we did that, he made a sign and stuck it on the cabinet door there in the kitchen that said, when you mess it up, clean it up. That was good advice. You know what? This is what God says to us as believers. When you mess it up, clean it up. Don't wait till tomorrow for your time alone with God. Don't wait till Sunday when you go uh, to worship at Dogwood with your church family. When the Spirit of God taps on our soul and reminds us, oop, you just stepped across the line and disobeyed me, you deal with it immediately immediately. You keep short accounts with God. When you mess it up, you clean it up. You say, "Well, what I'm in a crowd? Well, can I just stop and pray?" Yeah, you just don't. They don't have to know it. Um, I have actually been in a conversation with with a person. And become convicted of something I either said or didn't say or thought or shouldn't about. And the Spirit of God just smote me and blew the whistle and said, out of bounds, you stepped across the line, what are you doing? And I just forget what they're saying and I start praying. I'm nodding and said, Lord, you're right, I, I'm sorry, I and I admit it, I did and I want to turn from it. Thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing now take control of me empower me by your holy Spirit again to keep me out of this uh, from living this way and then I go right on you don't you don't wait you keep short accounts with God uh, and be prepared for spiritual conflict spiritual warfare basically is all about doing the right kind of battle to keep obeying God for the doing the right things for the right reasons rather than disobeying God. And so the scriptures say in Ephesians six ten through 18, here's what we're to do. Put on the whole armor of God in prayer and practice every day. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. There we are. We're to resist. How do we? He gives us. His grace, His Spirit, and the tools. But we resist so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel Of peace In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. You see, you're not alone in this. This is why you need a church family. All be also be praying for each other to stand firm, to resist the temptations that come from the world, the flesh, and the devil, to walk in the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Pray every prayer and request alert with all perseverance. Pray at all times in the Spirit. So we're going to do that now. We're going to do that now. We're going to spend some time praying. And I'm going to ask our pastors and elders and uh, some of our ladies who are prepared to do this to come take your places of prayer across the front, if you would, and around uh, the um, around the auditorium. And here's what we're going to do: we've got about seven or eight minutes of unhurried, unrushed prayer. And some of you have never taken the time to take a deep breath and slow down and do business with God in this area. So ask Him once again, Lord. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any sinful way in me. And whatever he brings to mind, confess it. Some of you are are in the grip of sinful habits that are hard to break. Because some some temptations get a stronghold on us and they become habits. And some of them become addictions. And it's really hard to, to, to break them. Well, then... The scriptures say in James five sixteen that we're not only to confess our sins to God but he says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed he's talking about sinful stuff so it's a good idea to pray for each other let let some of these pastors elders men and women pray for you now Lest some of you hold back by thinking, oh, gosh, if I get up now, everybody's going to think I'm really into something bad. (laughs) We probably do. Um, But then we got to deal with that, don't we? So, so, no, we need prayer for other things. Uh, Again, some of you are facing huge challenges, physical illness or the illness of a loved one. Loss of job, the need for job, the need for guidance. Um, Some of you are burdened for the condition of loved ones who may be in the grip of the world, the flesh, and the devil, or they've never come to faith. Uh, There are a lot of things that can burden us. Well, now's the time to pray for those two. Uh, So you come. Uh, Let us join you in praying with you for these things you may just want to come and kneel here at the front you just may want to pray there where you're seated but um, we're going to pray now and then I'll close our prayer time in six or seven minutes Lord now draw near to us convict us of sin of our need for the righteousness that comes only through faith in you Help us to draw near to you in faith as we pray. Now you pray. say something to those of you who may not yet be followers of Christ. Something may be going on in your spirit right now, in your heart. Uh, You you feel anxious or like you need to do something. You're not quite sure what's going on. Let me tell you what what that is. This is God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, knocking at the door of your heart, seeking to convince you of your need for Him uh, and encourage you to place your trust in Him to become His follower. For you see, the Lord Jesus loved you so much that He couldn't bear the thought of you having to atone for your own sin forever in a place separated from God after you die. And so He left heaven, the Bible says, and came to earth to show us who God is and what He's like and live a perfect life. And He went innocently to the cross of Christ and died there. The Bible says that somehow God the Father arranged... That when Jesus died on the cross and was separated from Him, God arranged for all of your sin and my sin to be placed on Him. And He made appropriate payment for it. So that if we personally place our trust in Him and we ask Him to apply to us personally what He accomplished when He died on the cross and rose from the dead, that He would forgive us our sin and adopt us as His child in the family of God and give us the gift of abundant life and eternal life and grant us His Holy Spirit to be with us, to enable us to grow to become the kind of people He wants us to be and live the way He wants us to live and enjoy life here and now under His care and supervision. And some of you may be ready for the first time to place your trust in Christ. And if so, why don't you pray something like this? These are not magic words. Just let this be the attitude of your heart. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinful person in need of a Savior. And I believe you are that Savior. And so I turn from my self-directed, sinful life, and I put my trust in you. Forgive me. Give me your gift of eternal life. Come live in me by your Spirit and enable me to be the kind of person you want me to be and live the way you want me to live. To the best of my understanding, I commit control of my life and my eternity into your hands. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.